You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Worney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Worney, and joining me on the line is historic cube chef master himself, Ethan Sachs. What is going on, and how is your historic cube? My historic cube is great. Uh, I just released an article on Cardsphere this morning about designing it, um, and I have been having a blast revising it, designing it, playing through it. I think I'm at a really sweet spot here with it so far. I'm excited for you to get your hands on it. I want you to uh, to be able to draft it one of these days. Yeah, we should have some time coming up this week, so I am looking forward to diving into that with you. Nice. Yeah, I have been really enjoying getting to interact with a lot of our community members from both my stream and from our podcast and the discord. It's been really great. I mean, social distancing is obviously taking a toll for sure. But uh, it's it's opened up a lot of different avenues that I wouldn't have explored otherwise. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And speaking of other avenues, we also fired off our second Lords of Limited Friday Night Magic this past Friday. We had nine pods fire off a couple different time zones to to help out people that live in different time zones other than Eastern Standard and was a blast. I played in our 10 p.m. Eastern one. So that is still going alive and well. And I think we'll continue to get more people each and every week. The feedback from it seems to be very positive. Yeah, not only are we doing our scheduled ones on Friday, but we now have a whole section of the Discord dedicated to people just firing off on-demand drafts. And I want to shout out one of our mods, Neil, aka Lemon Flavored Tea, who has been working on a bot to sort of set up that sort of on-demand thing. So basically, it feels like you're at like a GP when you get the little buzzer thing, and then your buzzer goes off, and you get a little notification in Discord that lets you know that your pod's ready, and you get to like sign up for either whatever you want, Theros or Historic Cube, or you want to do an Eldraine draft or whatever. It's been really awesome to see that take off in just the past couple weeks. Absolutely. All right. Well, we might as well talk about how you get into the Discord, and that's via the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. And we want to make sure that we're incentivizing people to do so, giving back to our community as well. So you get access to the Lords of Limited Discord, which is not only a hub for 24-7 limited tech support via getting input on your drafts, your builds, your decision points, checking out all the Aquaria previews. This is the time to get in on the Discord to break a an upcoming format. And we've also got all the action for these pod drafts via the on-demand ones and Friday Night Magic. And we want to make sure we shout out each and every new patron of the week that they join. So this week, we are welcoming a whole mess of folks. Ziva, Mudge, Lot, Clinton, Felix, Eric, Ryan, Hambone, Matt, Sean, Kyle, Alexander, Lamaz, Lucas, Anthony, Luke, Finn, David, Malcolm, Stephen, Christopher, Heasy Game Media, Brandon, and Richard. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, I cannot say thank you enough. It's incredible that people are pledging to join the Patreon. And as you said, now's the time to get in. The start of a new format is the absolute best time to join the Patreon. We're going to be cracking Ikoria wide open. I am so psyched about this format, and I cannot wait to talk with you about it. Yeah, going through the recent spoilers this morning, I messaged you on Discord a few hours ago, and I was like, this format looked so freaking powerful. It's so busted. I, oh, man, I can't wait to talk about these cards. So here's what we're going to do. We've sort of started doing a, a two-week primer or two week sort of preview season here on Lords of Limited. So this week, we're going to be going through as many uncommon and common spoilers as we can talking about the cards, giving our predictions, we'll go over all the new mechanics. And then next week will be our patented crash course where we'll uh, dive into some big picture stuff about the format, go into our differences of our card evaluations and rank some common. So let's just dive right in to new and returning mechanics. Ben, what do we got first up? First up is cycling where you know, you have a normal magic card and then cycling is attached to it and you can pay whatever the mana cost is 
resources for cycling, discard that card, and draw a card. New thing about cycling this time around, we've got one CMC cycling. Not not only one CMC, one colorless CMC. I don't think we had that ever when this mechanic last existed in Hour of Devastation and the Amonkhet. Like, there was like single colored pips, but never colorless. Yeah. There is cycling on some absurdly powerful cards. For, and one mana, the opportunity cost is just so low to put that card in your deck. Yeah, those cards seem really, really strong. So we'll get to all the, the cycling payoffs and cards with cycling that are basically split cards in just a little bit. Uh, next up for a new mechanic here, we've got keyword counters. So just like plus one, plus one counters give a creature that they're on plus one, plus one, the same is true for these abilities. And uh, they showed like the punch cards that'll be in uh, packs of magic. And they've got nine total mechanics on those punch out cards and those include menace first strike hexproof lifelink reach flying trample death touch and vigilance next mechanic i am over the moon about <laughs> so this is mutate and this mechanic is a doozy so you can cast a creature with mutate one of two ways the first of which is just casting the creature for its normal mana cost nothing special happens the second is a mutate cost that's sometimes cheaper than the normal converted mana cost, sometimes more expensive, and it allows you to mutate a non-human creature on the battlefield. So what happens is you target the non-human creature, and if the mutation resolved, your mutated creature either gets placed above or beneath the creature that it's mutating onto, and the pile of cards that are resultant after that represent one creature with the characteristics of the top card and the abilities underneath so for example there's a creature called zagoth mamba that is single black for a one one this is an uncommon and it says whenever this creature mutates target creature and opponent controls gets minus two minus two until end of turn and there's another common called cloud piercer that is four and a red five four reach and whenever this creature mutates you may discard a card if you do draw a card and it has a mutate cost of three and a red so for example, you could just cast your Cloud Piercer for four and a red and have your 5-4 reach, and whenever it mutates, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. But if you choose to mutate it onto Zagoth Mamba, presumably you will want to put Cloud Piercer on top so that you have a 5-4, but you could, for whatever reason, choose to put it underneath the Zagoth Mamba and keep the 1-1. One one. So you end up with one set of power and toughness. You don't get to combine the power and toughness of the creatures that are mutating. And let's say we put Cloud Piercer on top, you end up with a 5-4 reach that has two abilities then. So you'll have the ability that's on Cloud Piercer. Whenever this creature mutates, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. And it will also retain the ability of Zagoth Mamba. So your, your now 5-4 Cloud Piercer hybrid Zagoth Mamba also has, whenever this creature mutates, target creature and opponent controls gets minus 2, minus 2 until end of turn. And you'll get that triggered ability from the Zagoth Mamba when you target it with the Cloud Piercer mutating onto it. So pretty sweet stuff going on with Mutate. Yeah, I think Mutate's going to be awesome. And I think it's important to note that, like, let's say it's, it's sort of, I think it's important to note that it plays out similarly to Bestow in the sense of, like, if you're trying to mutate onto a creature and your opponent interacts with that creature by bouncing it or killing it in response, it doesn't mean that your mutated creature fizzles. It just enters the battlefield at it, as it normally would as that creature. And it seems like people have been talking about Mutate Voltroning a creature. It's not that in the right. sense that power and toughness doesn't combine. So if you mutate a 5-4 onto a 3-2, you don't end up with an 8-6. You end up with either a 5-4 or a 3-2, but all of the abilities on both cards are present in the new creature. 
Yeah. One more new mechanic here that's probably not going to come up that much because there's only 10 cards that have this ability, but this is Companion. So there are 10 Companions in Aquaria, and each one is a legendary creature whose Companion ability lists a deck-building rule or restriction, however you want to think about it. So, for example, in the uh, Daily MTG article, they have Karuga the Macro Sage, which is 3 and 2 Simic Hybrid mana for a 5-4 legendary creature Dinosaur Hippo. And it has the companion text, your starting deck contains only cards with converted mana cost three or greater and land cards. So if you meet that deck building restriction, what you can do is choose to have Karuga the Macro Sage start in your sideboard rather than in your main deck. And then you can just sort of cast that as if it were in your opening hand from your sideboard. So it just basically starts there. And then once it's in play... It can be disrupted or interacted with in any way that a card in your deck normally would be. So it can get bounced to your hand, it can get exiled, it can go to the graveyard, whatever. And you can also just put those cards in your deck, period, if you don't, you know, meet the companion deck building rule. Right. That was a key thing for me. That was a question I had the first time I read companion. I think very important for limited that they're just good cards and you're going to be putting them in your deck a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. If you shoot for the moon and you get there, sure, going to be a sweet screenshot and probably a very good deck. Although some of the deck building requirements are pretty stringent for limited. You don't want to do the one we just mentioned where you only have CMC three or greater and lands. Right. But the otter, there's an otter that just wants a unique card of every card in your deck, right? right? That's pretty free for limited. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get into these preview cards. Well, let's start off with our official Lords of Limited preview cards. And we want to thank Wizards of the Coast, as always, for being a part of spoiler season and giving us these free preview cards. We're really always excited to get to participate. We posted these on Twitter on Friday, so they're already out into the universe, but we want to get a chance to talk about them. So we got a uh, a cycle of five cards here. These are three CMC mana rocks that tap for one of three mana sources. And these are attributed to the cons wedges. So like there's Abzan, Jeskai, Teemer, Sultai, and Mardu. But these all have new names. Are we going to have to learn new names for all these wedges? I don't know. We'll, we'll see about that. Hopefully not. I'm not sure about that. So for example, we've got Zagoth Crystal, which is three mana for an artifact that taps to add green, black, or blue. So this is the Sultai one. But here's the twist, Ben. They've all got cycling too. How good does that make them? I think that makes them pretty good because like, when do you want these? You want these in your opener, right? Yeah, I think, you know, the the drawback is that you're putting an extra mana source in your deck when you have this in your deck, right? So you're filling your deck with air. Mm -hmm. But if you don't need the fixing, then you can cycle it, which is pretty powerful. I don't know that that makes them good, but I certainly think it makes them playable. So the banners that were in Cons of Tarkir were common, right? Yes. These are uncommon, which I feel like might be might be a clue to them being good or better or whatever i mean there's as we know cycling is a theme so there are cycling payoffs so i think that bumps these up a little bit i don't know how good the like multicolor good stuff decks are going to be or how much of a like wedge shard theme there is in the format but my guess is these are going to be good picks in the format well also just the fact that they're uncommon is going to drive up their their pick order just because of rarity right correct there's not going to be as many if they're in demand like supply and demand there's going to be less supply if they're uncommon yeah for sure speaking of things that have cycling drana stinger is a pretty sweet one here at common oh yeah this is one in red for a 2-2 human wizard and whenever you cycle another card drana stinger deals one damage to each opponent and this has cycling one how about that for a bear with upside i mean this is pretty awesome as like a i don't know if this is like a build around but it feels like 
a really high synergy piece at common. That makes me really excited about the potential for the kinds of things you can do in this set. Yeah. And I, I think I'm just so excited about one mana cycling. Yeah. Well, let's look at some cards that are at uncommon. We've got Flourishing Fox as well as a cycling. It's both a payoff and a synergy piece. That's what's so great about Dranith Singer and this this upcoming card, Flourishing Fox, is that not only do they care about cycling, but they themselves have cycling. So Flourishing Fox is single white for a 1-1 at Uncommon. It has cycling one, one colorless, crazy. And whenever you cycle another card, you just put a plus one plus one counter on Flourishing Fox. Right. So if you have this in your opener, you're going to jam it out and then use it as your sweet payoff. But when you top deck it on turn nine, instead of it being a terrible one mana 1-1, you get to cycle it for one and cash it in for a new card. Mm -hmm. We've also got Valiant Rescuer as another cycling payoff here. This is one and a white for a 3-1 human soldier. Says whenever you cycle another card for the first time each turn, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token, and it itself has cycling two. Yeah, so not not busted cycling one, but like this is again another really good payoff. And this is leaning me towards, you know, the last time we saw cycling in Hour of Devastation or Amonkhet, it was blue black and it was more of a controlling shell and now it looks like cycling though it's going to exist in every color it seems like red white is the color pair that cares most about cycling and we've got this further down in our show notes but i I feel like i just want to talk about this right now the the boros card that just came out this morning we don't know exactly what the english name for this card is going to be but it's being called savai thundermane which is red white for a three two elemental lion And it says, whenever you cycle a card, you can pay two. And if you do, it deals two damage to target creature and you gain two life. That is absurd. (laughs) Like, so it's like burning vengeance. Like this feels like this isn't a niche, you know, build aroundy thing. This is just like a two mana three, two in an aggro color pair that seems to care about cycling. That is a huge cycling payoff. Well, and it's lightning helix. It's like a baby lightning helix. Every time, every single time. That's broken. Yeah, that feels pretty busted to me. We also have Rooting Moloch. This is four and a red for a 4-4 lizard. Whenever it ETBs, exile target card with cycling ability from your graveyard. Until the end of your turn, you may play that card. And this creature, Rooting Moloch, also has cycling two. I think this has got to be the first time that you and I have both been excited about Boros from preview season. I am real excited about Boros right now. (laughs) Yeah, so a five mana four four that has cycling two, that's already great. But then the fact this draws you a card. It's just five mana, four, four, draw a card. And that's an uncommon. Very powerful. So to go back to Valiant Rescuer, that makes me think about what are the like trumpet blast effects of the format, right? What is the go wide? Because I feel like we've got a couple different things happening here from these cycling cards we're seeing. We're seeing Dranath Stinger, which just wants to like straight up burn your opponent out. Flourishing Fox, which can go tall. Valiant Rescuer, which wants to go wide. Rooting Moloch, which is like a, a a value engine or a two for one, a clean two for one. So I'm looking for the the go wide payoffs here for Valiant Rescuer, which I don't think we've really seen yet. Yeah. And I think Huntmaster Liger could be pretty cool in this kind of go wide deck. So this is three and a white for a three, four cat. It's got mutate. This is our first instance of mutate we've talked about. So the mutate cost is two and a white here. And it says whenever this creature mutates, other creatures you control gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of times this creature has mutated. So if you're mutating a Huntmaster Liger onto something for the first time, you can give your team plus one plus one. But if you're mutating for the second or third time, you can turn this into an overrun effect real quick. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm on the lookout for how that matches up with 
white X go wide, not necessarily maybe white red, but but it does look like white red is where Valiant Rescuer may be at its best. You're going to have to do a fair amount of work to get that effect. It's a lot, a lot more difficult to assemble than just draw trumpet blast, cast trumpet blast. Right. Well, I mean, I think it, it also depends on how good is just straight up plus one plus one to your team. Like that could just be good. Right, right, right. There's also cycling on some very situational cards and some expensive cards that we just want to highlight here and go through. First up, I am in love with this card. This is Boon of the Wish Giver. Oh my God. This is four blue blue for a sorcery. Draw four cards, cycling one. So this feels like Remember Lay Claim in Hour of Devastation, which was a seven mana, like control permanent card, like a control magic card for a permanent, and then it had cycling two, but you like basically hoped to never cycle it. I, that That's what this feels like to me. But when you do need to cycle it, you can, yes. right? It's yeah. so powerful. Well, that's just why cycling is so good. That's why it's like everyone's favorite limited mechanic is because it just is so, so flexible. When you need to do the thing, when you need to cycle to just you know, dig for another relevant spell or to find a land, you can do that. And now for the low, low cost of one colorless mana. Yeah, missing a land drop. Oh, let me just cycle this and hit my land drop or give myself a better chance to hit the land drop. Yep. There's cycling on situational spells, which is also awesome. We've got neutralize, which is one blue blue for an instant and uncommon counter target spell so it's just cancel but it has cycling too that's also going to be constructed playable right oh i think so i mean it's a split card two mana draw a card or three mana counter a spell that feels very much like a constructed card i'm sorry i I didn't mean to say the c word on our podcast (laughs) (laughs) next up we've got reconnaissance mission this is two blue blue for an enchantment whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player you may draw a card and this has cycling too this is really powerful i I'm a little hesitant to evaluate this card because I love effects like this. And the fact that cycling is tacked onto it just makes me love it even more. Yeah, because the problem with cards like this is that it's only good when you're ahead or at parity or can like, you know, nug in with some evasive threat. And the times when you don't have that or aren't able to do that, it's atrocious. But guess what? In those times, now you just get to draw a card. This card's really good, right? This card is very, very good, I think. Okay, that's what I think, but I'm hesitant to declare it that because I would like that card even if it didn't have cycling. (laughs) Back to the situational cycling card. So for folks who didn't play during Amonkhet or Hour of Devastation, adding cycling to situational cards, now counterspell or cancel may not be that, but you know, if you see like naturalized type effects or plummet type effects that have cycling on them, then you're way more likely to want to main deck them because the times where they're not useful, you can just cycle them away and, and, and replace them. So we've got Shredded Sails here, which is one in a red for an instant. You can choose one, either destroy target artifact, or it deals four damage to target creature with flying, and it has cycling two. Yeah, solid little card. You're fine main decking it. You're fine sideboarding it. Exactly. Next up, we got Migration Path. For those of you that want to do some ramping out there, this is three and a green for a sorcery. Search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. And this has Cycling 2. This is a little expensive for my taste. I imagine you're going to be casting a lot of Migration Paths. I imagine I will too, because I'm a very smart man and a very good magic player. Migration Path is awesome. It's like... Remember Circuitous Route from Guilds of Ravnica, which was like the exact same card, except it didn't have cycling. And so, again, just like every time we're going to talk about cards with cycling, it's like, well, when you don't want to do the thing or when you need to curve out or hit your land drops or whatever, you get to do that. Or when you really want to do the thing where you're going to ramp and fix, Migration Path is 
your key to that. I hope this format is slow enough where we can take advantage of spells like this or, you know, the the cycle of mana rocks that we got to preview. I don't know. White red's looking pretty aggro. I know. But like cycling aggro, is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, that's going to make it a great aggro deck, right? Because you're going to find the action you need to kill your opponent. And you can also like red, white already generally wants to play fewer lands or aggro decks want to play fewer lands and cycling lets you do that. Yep. Next up, we've got Void Beckoner. This is six black black for an 8-8 Death Touch Nightmare Horror. And it's got cycling for two and a black. When you cycle it, you can put a Death Touch counter on target creature you control. So cycling three is starting to be a real cost. Like you're not necessarily free rolling this quite Mm -hmm. so much. But eight mana, 8-8 Death Touch is impossible to block. Yeah, well, but the the cool thing about this and something like Titanoth Rex, which is an, a nine mana 11 11 with trample, but has cycling one and a green. When you cycle it, you put a trample counter on target creature you control. Like trample isn't so much a combat trick, but there could be situations where you have some dumb four, four, five, five attacking your opponent's chumping with a one, one token or thinks they're chumping and then boom, all of a sudden they're taking four. Similarly with death touch, like your opponent can think like, oh, well, they're attacking their two, three into my two, three. I just get to block and bounce the creatures off. And then you go, boom, cycle death touch. And now their two, three is dead for free. And you drew a card and you drew a card. Yeah, that's really powerful. So the cycling on that's probably better than the actual card. That's what I think. I, I don't know about the the trample one is harder for me to evaluate because I don't know how good putting trample on a creature at instant speed is. But death touch as a death touch draw card as a combat trick is good. And the fact that it's not death touch until end of turn, then the creature just has death touch, period. Yeah, seems good. Yeah, I think that card is pretty sweet. Uh, what about this card? Footfall Crater is a single red for an aura. It enchants a land. Enchanted land has tap target creature gains trample and haste until end of turn. And it also has cycling for one colorless mana. Yeah, this was Destiny's preview card. This looks narrow to me. I mean, but it does have cycling. I don't know. And if there are dinosaurs running around, this is going to be scary if your opponent puts this on a land because you know they had the option. There's going to be some mind games there too, right? Because you know they had the option to cycle it. So once they put it on a land, you're assuming they've got some hasty things to run out and smash you with. I don't know. I don't love this card, but it seems okay to me. So Goblin Instigator was a card in M19, which was a single red 1-1 that tapped to give target creature haste until end of turn. And that card, you know, I think we poo-pooed it. That ended up being fairly good role player in aggressive red decks in that format. And so I was sort of thinking, well, maybe Footfall Crater is like that. And it's nice that it has cycling. So like when it's in your opener, great. You get to let it do its thing. And when you top deck it, then you don't want it anymore and you cycle it away. And that seems pretty good. But the thing that is bad about this is that it constrains your mana right it's taking up a land so it's like having you play off curve to get your creatures hasty out which is sort of the same as if they didn't have haste but you got to play them on curve you know right and i think you know there's there's another factor going on like so it's more a way to frame it in your mind might be more like an equipment that has an equip cost of one or something like that like that might be a way to frame it and i also think mutate is going to be giving large things haste anyway right yeah that's a really good point here's a card for you this is sort of an overrun style effect kind of i don't know it's uh being called monstrous step right now this is four and a green for a sorcery target creature gets plus seven plus seven until end of turn up to one target creature blocks it this turn if able and it has cycling too yeah that card seems fine not great not terrible i mean sometimes you're going to be able to use it to kill your opponent sometimes they're going to have just played a busted rare and you're going to be able to use it as a a niche like removal spell to kill their very good card that's the only blocker 
times when you can't. It's got cycling. I think all told it ends up just being fine. Yeah, that's my guess is that it's just fine. All right, that takes us through a bevy of cycling cards there. Let's get on to the headliner mechanic and my favorite mechanic in the set. I think this this mechanic is busted. So let's talk mutate. What are your thoughts on mutate just in general? So I think mutate is great, but there are a few things that I'm looking for in terms of both the card that has mutate and also cards that are good to mutate on. So looking at this mechanic, I think the things that you want are mechanics that are going to like help the mutated creature maybe replace itself because you're essentially saying, all right, this creature I have on the battlefield is no longer relevant as a body on its own. And so I'm going to mutate onto it to upgrade it by retaining some of its characteristics or abilities or whatever. So I want, you know, for the creatures that are good to mutate onto, I want creatures that like have done something when they ETB. So like they've already sort of done their job or replaced themselves or creatures that have like evasion or, you know, ways to accrue advantage as the game progresses, or perhaps want have a good ability, but an ability that would be benefited by having a larger body. And then on the flip side, cards that have mutate, I want them to probably do something when they come into play. Like, you know, we saw the the one we looked at that had reach when it came into play, you got to rummage, right? You got to discard and then draw a card. There are some that are just going to straight up draw a card or get some sort of effect when you mutate. So you're, you're accruing some value immediately by reducing your board state. Yeah, so the the first mutate card I want to highlight here is Dreamtail Heron, because yes. I think this is a pretty clear example here. You wrote in our show notes is the five mana three four flyer back. Not it, only is it's it back, back, baby, it's insane. This card is completely overpowered, right? Yeah. So this is four and a blue for a three four flyer. Whenever this creature mutates, draw a card. So its mutate cost is three and a blue. So if you've got a creature you want to mutate onto, this is going to be a four mana, three, four flyer. It's going to draw a card and it's going to have whatever characteristics of the creature under it. And it's going to have haste. And it's going to have haste. Yeah, yeah. It has haste. That's the thing, right? So let's say you play something, some sort of two mana card that you got a little bit of value out of. Or, you know, there's we just saw a red card spoil that made two tokens. Something that's going to give you bodies to mutate onto. This turns into... For four mana, a three four flyer haste that made your original creature cantrip. It's 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 essentially no downside. I mean, you lose a little bit of board presence, but you could think about this also as an aura that granted like, you know, plus one plus two flying draw a card. That's a very good card. I guess it's a little less exciting for four mana. It also gives haste. I don't know. Draw a card is really important for the Dreamtail Heron. Right, and then you can continue to mutate onto it. That also makes it a future good mutate target for for so much value. I don't know, I I love mutate. And sometimes you're just gonna cast it as a five mana, three, four flyer. The flexibility of whether to mutate or not is so powerful. Right, and the fact that you can be like, all right, well, I'm gonna make it a five mana, three, four flyer because that's what I need right now, but then maybe in the future, I have something to mutate onto that, and then I can draw my card then. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Next up, we've got Pouncing Shore Shark, which is four and a blue for a four, three at uncommon. It has flash. So five mana, four, three flash, not great, but it has a mutate cost of three and a blue. And whenever this creature mutates, you may return target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. That's really strong. Mutate at instant speed with like the mana war text tacked onto it. Yeah. Sign me up. You're going to be able to mess with combat like whoa with this card. Mm hmm. Yeah, beware when your blue opponent passes with either four or five mana available to do this. 
yeah, I think this will be good early and it's going to get less good as people get blown out by it going through the format. Mm -hmm. It's still very powerful. But we're seeing here like the cards that you and I are, are being attracted to that have mutate are, are cards that do something pretty potent when they mutate. Right. You're, you're essentially getting a card's worth of value to make up for the downside of the fact that you essentially sacrificed a creature almost right to do the mutating yeah there's so many ways to frame mutate in your mind for like there's a lot of tempo implications there too right like two bodies in the battlefield versus only one is you know then you can get blown up by removal there's there's so many considerations next up we've got chittering harvester this is five and a black for a four six nightmare with mutate four and a black Whenever this creature mutates, each opponent sacrifices a creature. What's up, Farika Spawn? This is uh, Farika Spawn 2.0, basically. Yeah, this is really strong. I mean, you're not going to be... I guess you can do it over and over if you've got multiple things to mutate, but that's yeah. all, that seems less good to me. I mean, it depends. Like, it depends how many people are doing this mutate thing. I mean, I guess like against that white token maker, sure, this isn't good. But against people who are actively two-for-wanting themselves in terms of the bodies they have on the battlefield, this is absurd. Oh, man. Yeah. Like if somebody's going ham on mutate over yeah. on the other side of the battlefield. I think this yeah. card is great. Yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah. Maybe one that's not so great. We've got Insatiable Hemophage, which is three and a black for a three, three with death touch. So sort of venomous hierophant four mana, three, three death touch, but it has mutate for two and a black. And whenever this creature mutates, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life where X is the number of times this creature has mutated. Yeah, that seems not as exciting to me. I just want my 3-3 death touch. Yeah, I think so. So, though I do think, like, these creatures that have the ability, like the the white one that we looked at that gave plus and plus, or plus X plus X for each time you mutated, I, I don't want to make the same mistake that I made about mutate that I did about escape when we were looking at Theros Beyond Death, where I was like, how many times could you possibly escape in a, a game of magic and it turned out a lot and there was a lot of ways to fuel that and just like sort of naturally happened over the course of the game i feel like i want to go into a thinking you can mutate early and often and that these effects will be able to stack that like maybe maybe you have to build around something like insatiable hemophage more so than other stuff but i do think that that cards like this maybe shouldn't be overlooked that's fair and I think the key to that, if if that exists, the key to that is going to be cards like Zagoth Mamba that are cheap that pay you off instantly for mutating, right? Mm -hmm. Because then when you start stacking mutate things, you're getting, you know, two to three cards worth of value every time you mutate. Yeah, for sure. Next up, we've got a contentious one here. This is Auspicious Sterix. This is four and a green for a six. Oh, this is four and a green for a six, six elk beast. It has a mutate cost of five and a green. And whenever this creature mutates, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile X permanent cards, where X is the number of times this creature has mutated. Put those permanent cards onto the battlefield. So I said that I think, isn't this better as a five mana six, six? And you said, I said six mana six, six, you know, draw a permanent card and put it onto the battlefield for free sounds great. And then future mutates get you two cards, three cards, four cards. That seems very strong to me. Right. Well, so my feeling is that I guess it'll just depend on the makeup of your hand and your deck, but that playing this on curve as a five mana six, six, and then mutating onto it is better than mutating onto something else. It depends. You're going to get, so if you, if, if you mutate onto a cheap creature, you get a six mana six, six haste put a permanent onto the battlefield from the top of your deck. The permanent is generally going to be a land, or is like 60% to be a land. Right, but that's still, for one more mana, giving this haste, and you get a free permanent, and then you get the future value of two permanents the next yeah, time yeah. you want to mutate onto it? Yeah. I don't know. 
I'm pretty interested in mutating this guy. I, I can tell you are hot for mutate. <laughs> it's so good. Like the the flexibility, the the ability to turn all of your cheap creatures that may have had enter the battlefield effects into torch couriers for large monsters like this is so strong. Attacking is going to be terrifying. Leaving yourself undefended. You know, let's say you attack your opponent and they mutate a 6-6. Six, six. That's a 6-6 six, six haste that's coming at you. Yeah. It's essentially giving everything haste. That's going to be really interesting for combat implications for the format and like protecting your life total. Do you think that this is going to end up being a pretty aggressive format because of all the ways that mutate makes your creatures hasty? Either that or I'm going to be terrified to attack. <laughs> I'm never going to attack anyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, so let's talk about, we we're talking about all these creatures with mutate and all the well if we have a cheap creature in play that's already done something what are the kinds of things that we've seen already that are like oh these are good things to mutate onto so obviously we talked about when we were looking at uh, the mechanic of mutate we talked about zagoth mamba that's the single black one one when it mutates you can give a creature minus two minus two until end of turn that's obviously great there's Polywog Symbiote, which I'm looking at as well, which is one in a blue for a 1-3. It gives creature spells you cast one less to cast if it has Mutate. And whenever you cast a creature spell, if it has Mutate, you draw a card, then discard a card. So you don't actually have to Mutate, right? Right. So this just makes them cheaper. It makes their Mutate costs cheaper, whether you want to Mutate them or not. Yeah, it seems very strong. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. And so, and that'll retain that ability, right? If you choose to mutate onto Polywog Symbiote, you'll still have that if it's underneath the creature you mutated. So it'll continue to have that effect for future creatures. Yep, which is why mutate is busted. <laughs> why mutate is busted. So what other creatures are we seeing so far that look like, all right, this could be a body I'm excited to mutate onto. The one I'm excited about is Thieving Otter. So this is two and a blue for a two, two otter. Whenever it deals damage to an opponent, you draw a card. That I would just be in love with on its own. And the fact that you can potentially turn that into a flyer that then has, you know, the famous scroll thief ability of draw a card. You can give it trample. You can turn it into a large monster. Can you imagine a 6-6 six, six scroll thief? I want to just th throw out to you at common, you can curve out with Thieving Otter into Dreamtail Heron. And then you have a 3-4 flyer that just drew a card that's going to have haste and probably attack and then draw a card when it connects. Oh my god. <laughs> and that, that's not going to be hard because those are both commons. That sounds glorious. Uh, what do you think about Fertilid, which is a, a reprint here? So this is two and a green for a zero zero elemental. It enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. And it has one and a green. Remove a plus one plus one counter from it. Target player searches their library for a basic land card. Put it onto the battlefield tapped and then shuffle your library. I think this might be the most Ethan card I've ever seen in my entire life in the context of this format. So you're going to be able to rampant growth, fix then mutate onto this, also remove the other plus one plus one counter to get another land to fix for your fourth color. And also, you know how we talked about, well, you're not Voltroning. Guess what? If you don't remove the counters from Fertilid, you are Voltroning. Fertilid into Dreamtail Heron, that's a hasty 5-6 flyer. Wow. Yeah, I think Fertilid is going to be great in this format. Looks strong. I have on our show notes here that I was hoping to see, or I'm still hoping to see, like a one mana, one one flyer, like really cheap evasive threats. And the kinds of cards, when you think about them as like, well, if this is in my opener, great. And then if not, maybe I can do something with it later on. Um, have we seen anything like that? Like cheap evasive threats? Not evasive, but we have seen a token maker that could be good to mutate onto. So we've seen Forbidden Friendship that just got spoiled this morning. 
This is one in a red sorcery, make a 1-1 one, one red dinosaur token with haste and a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token. So that's going to give you two bodies for not much cost to mutate onto for a lot of value potentially. Mm-hmm. There's Storm Wild Cap Rider, which is a weird card to me, and I hadn't thought about it in the context of mutate, but might be pretty good there. This is two and a white for a 1-3 with flying. And if non-combat damage would be dealt to Storm Wild Cap Rider, you prevent that damage and you put a plus one plus one counter on Storm Wild Cap Rider for each one damage prevented this way Ooh, i know what i want to do i want to get into combat with this and then flash in that mana war mutate creature to turn it into a four three with flying with this uh oh but it's non-combat damage but you know what you can do what you can, can you run do? you can run this in the red white cycling deck and target it with your lightning helixes to grow it stop it <laughs> right and so also just mutating onto this is going to make the creature very difficult to tussle with right so if you've got something that's like a i don't know a five six flyer or a six six flyer that can't be dealt with except by removal that's tough yeah well it can be dealt with in combat but i guess like a six six flyer is tough to deal with in combat right that's what i'm saying yeah, yeah. so you pretty much need like kill target creature right Still gonna have dies to Doomblade, but we all we all know that argument doesn't hold up. I know I am I'm I'm over that art. That argument is so 2013. <laughs> what do you think about Mysterious Egg? This is a single mana for an O2. Whenever this creature mutates, you put a plus and plus one counter on it. This seems not good to me at all, right? This seems like a trap. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not ready to call this a trap yet because I could see if you've got a heavy mutate deck that you just want like cheap stuff that has effect. I mean this. This is pretty low cost. Like you're mutating your three, four flyer onto this. It's already replacing itself when it comes into play. And now it's a four, five with haste. This doesn't seem bad. I'm going to be excited about this card if I've got ways to give things hexproof. Well, uh, I've got uh, I've got a card with hexproof that we could talk about (laughs) if you want. Yeah, let's do it. I'm so not into this card. This is Wingfold Terran. This is five and a blue for a three, six at common. When it ETBs, it comes in with your choice of a flying counter or a hexproof counter on it. So I think the saving grace on this is that it's six mana. It's so expensive. Can I remind you of uh, the Snapping Turtle from Dominaria, the four or five hexproof for six mana? You can, yeah. That card was miserable. This card is going to be very miserable, with with especially with Mutate in the format. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I, I think this card is such a groaner right now for me. All right, I'm into it. So yeah, if you've got, but that's not going to make do with the Mysterious Egg because you can't mutate to give it Hexproof, right? No, 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 no. Mysterious Egg and this won't be interacting very much. Speaking of interacting, let's take a look at some removal front runners real quick. So we've got perhaps maybe best common in the set, Blood Curdle, three and a black for an instant, destroy target creature. So we usually don't see that combination, right? We don't usually see four mana instant destroy it's usually like four mana sorcery destroy or five mana instant so we're seeing the four mana instant destroy target creature and bonus put a menace counter on a creature you control and usually if it's instant speed it's black black this is going to be real splashable right yeah so and this this as my early vote for best common in the set we've also got pacifism coming back one and a white enchantment enchanted creature can't attack or block another new card here we've got devouring bite 
This is two and a green for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this, reveal a creature card from your hand. Devouring Bite deals damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the revealed card's power. So it's kind of situational there. I don't love that one. Yeah, and it's an uncommon, so it may not come up that much. We, we, it'd be interesting to see what is green's removal spell at common, because that's an uncommon. In blue, we've got two reprints. Capture Sphere, another pacifism effect. That's the three and a blue enchantment with flash taps a creature and then it doesn't untap during its controller's untap step which i think both pacifism and capture fear are set up to be pretty good in the context of mutate and we've also got essence scatter coming back just one in a blue instant counter target creature spell essence scatter seems insane to me in this format i agree i think essence scatter is going to be great so blue is looking real powerful to me right now with essence scatter as a cheap way to interact with people investing a lot of mana into mutate and then also just the dream of thieving otter into that 3-4 flyer mutate creature. Oh man, I'm loving this. Yeah, for sure. There was a card preview this morning that I'm excited about. This is a single white removal spell at Uncommon that's being called In One Bite. It's a sorcery and it says, as an additional cost to cast this spell, tap an untapped creature you control. And you exile target tapped creature and put a plus and plus one counter on the creature you tapped to cast this spell. Hmm, interesting. It's sorcery speed, so you're going to have to take the hit from whatever attacked you. Yeah, for sure. It's still very efficient, it's though. It's so cheap. Kind of reminds me, I don't think you're going to be able to play a lot of these, but the first copy is going to be very good. Yeah, well, it's an uncommon, so I don't know if you'll have the opportunity to pick up a ton of them. Last year, we've got Go for Blood. This is one red sorcery. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control, and it has cycling one. So fight spell here, but in red, not green. What do you make of that? I don't love this card. So fight spells that haven't boosted power and toughness have traditionally not been good. This does have cycling. So if it's dead, you can cycle it for another card. I don't know. I've got my eye on that one, but I don't think it's going to be crazy powerful. We'll look in our crash course what the like average size of red creatures are versus the rest of the the colors because generally when you have something that doesn't boost power and toughness at least it's still in green where green generally has the largest bodies but i don't know if we can say the same thing for red right 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 speaking of red removal spells you see this this one this is a clash of titans is what it's being called right now it's three red red for an instant target creature fights another target creature you remember when we saw an effect like this in uh, dark ascension it was called blood feud this is fine right it's got blowout potential in combat but it's so expensive and you can see it coming from a mile away right and just like you need the things to match up so perfectly right you need your opponent to have two creatures where their bodies will remove each other if they fight or like something happens in combat where then that's enabled like it's really hard to set this up. I think, you know, at least I made this mistake when I saw Blood Feud and Dark Ascension, which was six mana for a sorcery, but for the same effect. And and obviously you can have like, you know, you can just have your creature fight your opponent's creature, but it's five mana. So you would really like to be, you know, having two of their creatures tussle with each other. I think you read this text and you think it's insane, but when it, you actually see it in play, it's really hard to like have you get a clean two for one here. Right. That's the that's the thought, right? You see this and you immediately think, oh, two for one but it's not always going to be a two for one. No, I don't think so. We've got another sweet one here. This doesn't really fall into a category, but just to talk about this card to evaluate it, this is Call of the Death Dweller. Tune a black for a sorcery. Return up to two target creature cards with total converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Put a death touch counter on either of them, then put a menace counter on either of them. 
So as we'll see, Black is doing some some graveyardy stuff. I think Black Green specifically is is a graveyard interaction color pair, and we don't know yet if that's going to be the same for Black White or Black Blue or whatever. So returning two creatures is powerful, but you know that means one of them is a one drop and the other one's a two drop. But let's say you've got you know your little cycling fox or whatever that's not that's not bad you drew a card when you cycled it and now you get it back like this seems flexible enough that it could be good and then then now the creature if it's just one has death touch and menace which is pretty sweet i don't know this card i think is good i'm glad we're doing the show because i i missed the word total here <laughs> i thought it was two creature cards convert a mana cost three or less yeah, yeah yeah okay so you thought you could get a three drop in a three drop i thought you'd get two three drops back yeah that seems pretty good for three mana <laughs> yeah i thought it was busted but <laughs> It seems less good now that you've explained it correctly to me. <laughs> I think it's still good, though. Yeah, it still seems powerful. It just depends on how cheap your cycling creatures are and mm -hmm. what sort of stuff you're doing. And the ability to give something Death Touch Menace, even if you're only getting a three drop back and giving it Death Touch Menace. And also there's things with Mutate, you know, you're going to assume you're going to have cheap creatures to enable your Mutate stuff. I don't know. I think it could add up to get there. That's what I think, too. Speaking of something I want to add up to get there, this card seems like the sickest build around to me. This is being called Evasion Protocol right now. One in a blue for an enchantment at Uncommon. Whenever you cycle a card, you may pay one. If you do, exile target creature or artifact you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. Beer me some ETB effects, Ben. Yeah, it's like kind of a watered down astral slide. Right, yeah, very watered down astral slide or like portal of sanctuary, though that like picked up your creature. This just like blinks it. I, I think, I mean, it, it will depend on what the enter the battlefield effects we have look like, but I think we should have some considering what mutate wants. Well, right, but mutates all like most ETB effects are tied to the creature mutating, right? Uh-huh. Sure, sure, sure. But I think if we I think we'll have some cheapy creatures. Yeah, I hope so. So this next one, I love the idea of this card. And I would like this card. I, I don't know. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna toss this over to you after reading the card. So this is Thwart the Enemy. I have a feeling we're gonna be arguing about this one in the crash course. So this is two and a green instant to prevent all damage that will be dealt this turn by creatures your opponents control. How many times did you read this card? I read it like three times. Me too. I kept rereading to be like, am I understanding this right? Prevent all damage that will be dealt this turn by creatures your opponents control. We've seen this before, right? This is safe passage. It's two and a white instant prevent all damage that will be dealt to you and creatures you control this turn. That card was good. I think I think this is going to be very good. So how good? You're not going to run more than one of these in your deck, right? No, you're not. But the first copy will be good? I think so. Like how high of a pick is this going to be? It's not going to be a top green common, right? This is not hard to get a one for one like your opponent has to just not attack you great but at the cost of you holding up three mana that's a real cost or you just get to attack into your opponent and then they like how are they supposed to block when you're in green and you could have thwart the enemy yeah oh you can use this on offense yeah too. i think this <laughs> oh is good gosh. yeah i mean my natural tendency is to love cards like this so i'm trying to like downplay it in my mind <laughs> So that I'm not well, madly you, in love you, with it? You want to look at fog effects and you go, it's a one-sided wrath. But this is actually kind of, this is intrinsically a one-sided effect. If you can get them into a combat and they're blocking. It's limited and with mutate, which is like all about creatures. So you're getting into combat with your opponent. So what what grade are you giving this card? C. Okay, like that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, but I but like I don't think you're cutting this. I don't think you're cutting the first copy from most green decks. And it's got a huge range, right? Could could go from fine to absolute blowout. And again, I think is going to get worse 
the more the format progresses. Like the, the more people start to think about this card, then the more they're going to effectively play around it. But I think in the first couple of weeks, your opponents are just going to blindly alpha into this card without even thinking about it and maybe get severely blown out. Yeah, so we've talked about some fixing already. We've seen Fertilid and Migration Path. There's also a card called Spring Cleaner for the moment. This is three and a green for a three, four beast. And it's got a mutate cost of two and a green. It says whenever this creature mutates, search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Seems great. And a lot of the fixing other than our Lords of Limited preview cards seems to be concentrated in green. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I assume we'll get some kind of land, whether it's an Evolving Wilds or an Unknown Shores variant. I assume we'll get some kind of land, but I'll be curious to see what the, the fixing is in the land drop slot. Yeah. Speaking of fixing, Ben, now that we're sort of coming off of Theros Beyond Death and thinking about Thirst for Meaning and Thrill of Possibility, Cathartic Reunion is back at Common. So this is a sort of tormenting voice on steroids. It's one in a red for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast it, you discard two cards and then you draw three cards. That seems fine. All right. You heard it here first. Seems fine. I mean, is it? It's not busted. I. I mean, I don't know. So, like, as we'll get into, it looks like blue red is spells matter. So, I think it'll be interesting to see how this fuels that deck. Like, if there are cards that care about spells in your graveyard, or if red black wants to be dealing with graveyard shenanigans, you want to like pitch stuff and then get it back with the raise dead that we looked at that gives things death touch and menace. I don't know. I. I, I want to keep my eyes open to a card like this, having played with thrill of possibility in Theros Beyond Death. For sure. Let's round things out here by looking at some possible color pair themes with the the cards that we've seen previewed so far. So we've been looking at Golgari being graveyard shenanigans. Uh, What's the first card we've got here so far? Back for more. This is four black green for an instant return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. When you do, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. I'm excited about this card, but again, this is a fight with no power toughness boost, but it it is attached to a creature. Yeah, so there's potentially going to be some reanimate shenanigans here. You know, we've seen some large monsters, the 8-8, the 9-9 in black and green already. Oh, and you can cycle it and then reanimate it? Oh, snap. Okay, sign me up. I'm in. (laughs) Had you not seen that one yet? I I hadn't thought about that yet. No, no, no. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So that's going to be pretty busted and I think a common way to interact with Back for More. Okay. I'm excited about that. Uh, Next up, we've got Skull Prophet, which is black green for a 3-1 at Uncommon. Uh, This is a human druid that either can tap for a black or a green mana or can tap to put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Right. So also, you know, going to ramp you towards your large monsters. And if you need to, like, so say you've got Back for More can fuel, you know, randomly milling stuff. Maybe you mill bomb rare that you get to reanimate then on six mana could be pretty sweet. One of the reasons I'm really excited about this set, and we haven't even seen the full spoiler, like right now when we're looking at it, I think we're about a hundred cards spoiled so far. And not a lot of the commons. But there are multiple gold uncommons for each color pair, which is really exciting. Usually we just get one that's like, this is what the color pair is trying to do. And here we've got multiples. There's like hybrid mana ones. Yeah. So I just recently listened to the Arena Decklist podcast where they had Michael Majors back on and they were talking about what makes a good standard format. And they were talking about the idea of a sandbox. Like you build these packages of cards that are powerful that people are going to want to play with. Like you want to give people tools to play with in the sandbox. Mm -hmm. And this looks like the world's biggest limited sandbox to me. I agree. So next up, we've got what's being called Ikali here. This is two black green for a 4-4 beast with a mutate of two hybrid hybrid for Golgari mana. 
And when it mutates, return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Hello, dearie. <laughs> yeah, this is raw value. Yeah, just four mana, four, four is great. And then the mutate cost is also awesome. And then you can like keep doing that if you mutate onto this. Mm hmm. Yeah. Tasty, tasty. So moving over to is it? It looks like spells matter is the theme there. First card we've got so far is Sprite Dragon. This is Ryan Sachs's new pet. <laughs> this is blue red for a 1-1 flying haste fairy dragon. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Sprite Dragon. The only thing this is missing is cycling one. It'll be interesting to see how Sprite Dragon matches up with mutate or like how the is it theme of spells mattering matches up with mutate because that seems like two things that are sort of butting heads a little bit yeah that makes sense to me the other is it card that has been spoiled so far is channeled force this is two blue red for an instant at uncommon as an additional cost to cast it you can discard x cards target player draws x cards channeled force deals x damage to up to one target creature or planeswalker this is medium i think so this is kind of like a weird reverse version of Heartwarming Redemption from War of the Spark, which was two red white. You discarded all the cards in your hand and then drew that many cards plus one and you gain life equal to the number of cards in your hand. It, it just it's like a weird tormenting voice thrill of possibility variant. Right. But a lot of times your hand is good. So if you're saving this till you're pitching lands, you're going to need to have saved up a lot of lands and then it's already going to be the late game. And then you're probably only still dealing like two or three damage. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not crazy about this card. So moving on to Orzov, the theme appears to be humans so far. So first card up we've got is General's Enforcer. This is white, black for a 2-3 human soldier. Legendary humans you control have indestructible. And the ability to white, black, exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a creature card, create a 1-1 white human soldier token. Yeah, this seems fine. I mean, it's just raw stats two for 2-3. Two, Four mana to make a 1-1 one, one is expensive, and I don't know how often you're going to want to do that, but like it does let you go wide, and if there are more like human matters, and that does seem to be the thing, right? Like Mutate is about mutating non-humans, so then I would imagine there are like some buffs or benefits from having humans that are we're, we're going to see, so I think this card seems fine. Yeah, I like it. Could also potentially hose graveyard decks on the opposing side. Right, for sure. Just like a, an expensive Timurette to deal with creatures coming back or whatever. We've also got Dire Tactics spoiled so far, which is white-black for an instant. You exile target creature. So just two mana instant, exile target creature. But if you don't control a human, you lose life equal to that creature's toughness. So a little downside if you don't have a human. This card's insane. Right. I mean, this seems like a really high pick in the format. Yep, very good. Moving on to Simic, seems like Mutate slash Giant Monsters seems to be the theme. So first up, we've got Trumpeting Gnar. This is one green-blue, three-three, and it's got a Mutate cost of three Simic Simic hybrid mana. Whenever this creature mutates, create a three-three beast creature token. This creature is awesome. So what I love about this is that like if you want to play it on curve as a three mana three three, you should do that. And that's great. And then if you don't, if like you have other things to do with your mana, then you can play it as a five mana three three to upgrade something or maybe just slide under something. But then you still get to get that extra three three as well. Right. It's going to be best as a three mana three three and then a mutate onto. Right. Right. Because it essentially lets you mutate for th free every time you do it because you get another copy of Trumpeting Gnar. Right. It's not having that downside of like, well, I'm reducing my board state because it just like says, nope, here's another three, three, four, your troubles. Right. This card is extraordinarily powerful in a mutate deck. I agree. Next up in Simic is Primal Empathy, which is one green blue for an enchantment. 
the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card if you control a creature with greatest power among creatures on the battlefield. Otherwise, you put a plus and plus one counter on a creature you control. Yeah, this seems sweet. I'm a little skeptical of this in the like Furious Rise, Colossal Majesty world of cards. I do like that there's a like, if you don't get to draw a card, you get to do something else. But you know, it's it's got the the problem of a lot of those cards of like, if your board isn't great, or if you're behind or whatever, this has some setup cost to it. This needs cycling. This needs cycling. Yeah, that would be great. All right, moving on to Gruul seems to be keeping with the tradition of Gruul and we are Gruul smashing. We've got Proud Wild Bonder here. This card is nuts to me. This is two hybrid gruel, hybrid gruel mana. 4-3 trample. Creatures you control with trample have. You may have this creature assign its combat damage as though it weren't blocked. So we don't know how much trample there will be in the format. There is a combat trick that's three mana for plus three, plus three until end of turn. And it gets a trample counter. So like if there are ways to grant trample to creatures... This could just be a, like, get your opponent dead card. Very much so. And it's just a 4-mana 4-3 trample on its own, which is good stats. And the last card we've already talked about, the Savai Thunder Lion. That's the Boros card that cycles, and whenever you cycle, you can pay 2 to deal 2 to something and gain 2 life. We can talk about that card all day. I won't get bored. I won't get bored either. (laughs) I'm so excited for this set, Ben. It looks incredible to me i mean granted we've seen a lot of the cool uncommon spoiled but even the commons yeah it's it seems to uh, just coming off of theros of the gaps in power level this seems like everybody's going to be doing some seriously busted stuff right and the, the fact that there are cards at common that i'm like this seems like something i could build around or build towards that's exciting to me yeah i i just have the biggest rose colored glasses on for mutate and i hope it's as good as i think it is yeah i think it has to be right because you just get so many decisions you can play the thing you can play it for its mutate cost you're gonna have to analyze the board state i don't know i love mutate as a mechanic yeah i'm really excited to see how it plays out cycling as well there's gonna be oh uh, yeah this format looks like absolute fire to me it's gonna be decision paralysis central yeah for sure And we'll get the crash course next week where you and I will go deep on arguing on some cards. I I am looking forward to any and all of it. Bring on the Ikoria. Let's do it. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. If you want to come check us out on Twitch, I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any questions about the show or any feedback, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Moving on to our next cycling card. This is Reconnaissance Mission. Ooh, Reconnaissance. I really like this card. What, is that not?
I would just I, I think say it's just funky? reconnaissance. Reconnaissance. The Renaissance. Reconnaissance. The rena- 